Their leaders would not give in on any of their demands, and the leaders of the United States would not give in on theirs. Unless some sort of agreement could be reached, the president said, it might be necessary to go to war. Brenda Beeson made the connection right away. War. That must be what Althea Tower had seen. Mrs. Beeson called her friends. They told their friends. The newspaper wrote it up, and soon the whole town knew. Althea Tower had seen the future, and it was terrible. All over Yonwood, people gathered in frightened clusters to talk. Could it be true? The more they thought about it, the more it seemed it could be. Althea had always been a quiet, sensible person, not the sort to make things up. And these were strange times, what with conflicts and terrorists and talk of the end of the world, just the kind of times when visions and miracles were likely to happen. Brenda Beeson formed a committee to take care of Althea and pay attention to anything else she might say. People wrote letters to the newspaper about her and left flowers and ribbons and handwritten notes in front of her house. The minister spoke of her in church. After a few weeks, nearly everyone was calling her the prophet. Chapter One, The Inheritance. Nikki Randolph's first sight of the town of Yonwood was a white steeple rising out of the pine forest that covered the mountainside. She leaned forward, gazing through the windshield of the car. Is that it? Her Aunt Crystal, who was driving, put one hand up to shield her eyes from the rays of the setting sun. That's it, she said. My new home, said Nikki. You have to get that notion out of your mind, said Crystal. It's not going to happen. I'm going to make it happen, thought Nikki, though she didn't say it out loud. Crystal's mood was already bad enough. How long till we get there, she asked. We'll be there in 20 minutes if nothing else gets in our way. A lot had gotten in their way so far. The streakline train was closed down because of the crisis, so they'd had to drive. They'd been on the road for seven hours, though the trip from Philadelphia should have taken no more than five. But long lines at gas stations, detours around potholed or snow-covered stretches of highway, and military roadblocks had slowed them down. Crystal didn't like delays. She was a fast-moving, efficient person, and when her way was blocked, she became very tense and spoke with her lips in two hard lines. They came to the Yonwood exit, and Crystal turned off the highway onto a road that wound uphill. Here the trees grew thick on either side, and so tall that their bare branches met overhead, making a canopy of sticks. Drops of rain began to spatter the car's windshield. After a while, they came to a sign that said, Yonwood, population 2,460. The trees thinned out, and the rain fell harder. They passed a few storage sheds, a collapsing barn, and a lumber yard. After that, Houses began to appear on the side of the road, small, tired-looking wooden houses, their roofs dripping. Many of them had rockers or couches on the front porch, where people would no doubt be sitting if it weren't the dead of winter. From a small brick shelter at the side of the road, a policeman stepped out holding a red stop sign. He held it up and waved it at them. Crystal slowed down, stopped, and opened her window. The policeman bent down, he had on a rain jacket with the hood up, and rain dripped off the hood and onto his nose. Hello, ma'am, he said. Are you a resident? 
No, said Crystal. Is that a problem? Just doing a routine entry check, ma'am, the man said. Part of our safety program. Had some evidence lately of possible terrorist activity in the woods. Your purpose here? My grandfather has died, Crystal said. My sister and I have inherited his house. I've come to fix the house up and sell it. The man glanced at Nikki. This is your sister? This is my niece, said Crystal. My sister's daughter. And your grandfather's name, said the man? Arthur Green, said Crystal. Ah, yes, the policeman said. Fine gentleman. He smiled. You be careful while you're here now. We've had reports indicating there may be agents of the Phalanx Nations traveling alone or in small groups in parts of the area. Have you been spoken to by any suspicious strangers? No, said Crystal. Just you. You seem very suspicious. <laughs> said the man, not really laughing. All right, ma'am, he went on. You may go. Sorry for the delay, but as you know, there's a crisis. We're taking every precaution. He stepped away and they drove on. Terrorists even here, Nikki said? It's nonsense, said Crystal. Why would a terrorist be wandering around in the woods? Pay no attention. Nikki was so tired of the crisis. It had been going on now for months. On TV and the radio, it was all you ever heard about, how our side and their side had come almost, but not quite, to the point of declaring all-out war. In the last week or so, the radio had started broadcasting frightening instructions every hour. In the event of a declaration of war or a large-scale terrorist attack, cities will be evacuated in an orderly fashion. Residents will be directed to safe locations. Citizens should remain calm. It seemed to Nikki that everything in the world had gone wrong, including her own family. Eight months ago, her father had left on a government job. He couldn't tell them where he was going or what he was supposed to do, and he warned that he might not be able to get in touch with them very often. This turned out to be true. She and her mother had had exactly one postcard from him. The postmark had been smudged, so they couldn't tell where the card came from. It said, Dear Rachel and Nikki, I'm working hard. Everything is fine. Don't worry. I hope you're both doing well. Love, Dad. But they were not doing well. Nikki's mother missed Nikki's father and couldn't bear not knowing where he was. She worried about losing her job, and so she worked too hard, and so she was always tired and sad. And Nikki hadn't felt happy or safe for a long time. She hated Philadelphia. Something awful seemed always about to happen there. The emergency sirens blasted night and day. Government helicopters circled overhead. In the streets where trash blew in the wind, dangerous people might be around any corner. And school, a tall, grim building with stinking bathrooms, was just as bad. The books were older than the students. The teachers were too tired to teach, and mean kids prowled the halls. Nikki hated being at school. But she didn't much like being at home, either, in the big 10th floor condo where she and her mother lived, with its dusty, unused rooms and its huge plate glass windows that gave a frightening view straight down to the tiny street below. She was home alone too much lately. She was nervous and restless. She'd read half a book and set it down. She'd work on her Amazing Things scrapbook and get bored after pasting in just one picture. 
She'd gaze through her binoculars at people going by on the street below, which she used to do for hours, but even her endless curiosity seemed to have faded, and she'd turn away after a few minutes. When she was really desperate, she'd turn on the TV, even though there was almost nothing on but news, and the news was always the same, grim government spokesman, troops and camouflage dashing around in foreign places, and the skeletons of blown-up cars and buses. Sometimes the president would come on, his white hair always brushed perfectly smooth, his neat white beard giving him a look of wisdom. These are dangerous times, he would say. But with the help of God, we will prevail. She was lonely at home with her father gone and her mother always at work, and she was lonely at school because both her best friends had moved, Kate to Washington last year and Sophie to Florida two months ago. Sometimes late at night when her mother still wasn't home, Nikki felt like someone in a tiny lifeboat drifting by itself in a big, dark, dangerous sea. That was why, as soon as she heard about Greenhaven, her great-grandfather's house in Yonwood, before she'd even seen it, she decided it would be her home. She loved its name. A haven was a safe place, and that's what she wanted. The trouble was, Crystal and her mother wanted to sell it. But why can't we sell this place instead, Nikki had said to her mother, and get out of the horrible city and go live in a beautiful, peaceful place for a change? Nikki had actually never been to her great-grandfather's house in Yonwood, except for one time when she was too young to remember. But she'd made up a picture of Yonwood in her mind that she was sure must be close to the truth. It was rather like a Swiss ski village, she decided, where in the winter there would be log fires and fireplaces and big puffy comforters on the bed.